0: You're listening to In Focus by Market Scale, a podcast by video professionals for video professionals, putting in focus the topics, teachers, and tips guiding today's video industry. With your host, Market Scale's Senior Director of Video Production, Josh
1: Brummett. Hey everyone, welcome to the In Focus podcast, where we talk about anything and everything in the video production industry. Today, I have a very special guest with me, Duncan Johnson. Uh, an awesome DP out of the Houston area, but he does film and video uh, pretty much worldwide. So he is awesome. Well, I've worked with him on a number of different projects, and the dude just astounds me for everything he does. Uh, not only is he an awesome filmmaker, great behind the camera, but he also is one of the best people I've ever met that that does a great job with lighting and composition. So, uh, Duncan, thanks for coming in.
0: Of course, Josh. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, so for the viewers out here, tell me a little bit about yourself and your background.
0: Yeah, so I've been filmmaking for about 10 years now. Uh, the majority of the roles that I play on sets are director of photography, but I have directed and co-directed several uh, music video projects, and I even did a feature in December of last year that I'm excited about, Once it makes it through the post-process. So, uh, you know, I'm just all over the place. I tackle a huge variety of projects. I mean, in a single week, I will have done like two corporate interviews, two music videos, a commercial, and then on the weekend, I'll be working on a short form narrative project or something. So I literally go through the absolute, you know, ringer of of any and every type of lighting situation that I have to tackle, which I think has been absolutely great. It makes me really really well-rounded. And I absolutely love uh, not just the challenge, but just being able to take things and elevate them as well. And I think that lighting is the absolute cornerstone of all of that.
1: Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear you're sounding You're staying busy through even through all this COVID stuff. That's really awesome. But you mentioned lighting, and I think lighting just kind of like audio is sometimes overlooked, especially in the uh, when people are just getting into filmmaking. I mean, lighting is what makes or breaks a comp- uh, a composition, and that's what really adds that realism to a piece. So, uh, and I know working with you on set, you take lighting very seriously, and you have a lot of great equipment. And you have a lot of great concepts and ideas behind lighting, and uh, that's something I really want to gear this conversation towards: is is a ma- of how do you become a master at lighting, and what it means to a project?
0: Of course, of course. I mean, to be honest, man, I was really in one of those situations where I was I was doing pretty well in my career as a DP. It was very camera oriented for the first few years so i was always thinking oh you know what has the best dynamic range what has the most resolution what will give me like the most variety of options but i kept running into that that point where i was like well why doesn't this look as high production value as i would like it to like what am i missing here that will take it to that next level and then i really you know got into it once i was able to have higher end budgets and hire some gaffers and they really gave me the the one-two about, you know, oh, well, you need a variety of diffusions. And oh, what about working with ambient stops? And what about sourcing things from practicals? And, and all of a sudden really expanded my entire just perspective on things to the point that these days, and I mean, I know some DPs will hate that I would say this, but I care so much more about what lighting instruments over what camera or lenses I have present on set i mean to be perfectly frank if i have a bunch of hmis and sky panels and some some great lighting package i can film on an iphone for all i care and it'll still turn out looking great which i mean to be honest is is a perfect example of kind of the direction things are going because i don't know if you've seen recently but some of the bigger music videos this last year were sponsored by apple and filmed on the new iphone so you have artists like selena gomez and some of these big big budget things And all that money went into the production value of the set and the lighting. And so even on something as as simplistic as a pretty small little sensor, you still get fantastic images, but it really boils down to understanding lighting and being able to take your project and give it that Hollywood polish.
1: This always brings me back to film schools. I remember when I was a young student doing all this stuff in school, we always had really nice cameras. I mean, we were shooting on, you know, pretty good sensors. We had some, some like, I think we we're shooting on a Panasonic AF100 way back in the day, which had some interchangeable of lenses course, and all course. that. Uh, but you know, I was like, why does our stuff not look as good as these hiring productions? You know, we have a good camera and I, I just remember as I've gotten in the profession, lighting just makes such a big difference. And that's what you're kind of saying is, you know, even on an iPhone with good lighting, You can make something look incredible and make it look high end. And I think that's kind of why people kind of stick to that, that, that film school look is they just are kind of missing out that aspect of things.
0: Most definitely. And I realize it can be very intimidating for the majority of people who don't know where to look or, or think they don't have very much of a budget, so they can't really do much with lighting. But it's really one of those things where you can, you just need to have, have those knowledge and resources that, that give you that ability to take a less than ideal situation and turn it into something great. Because even when I'm thrown into a scenario where I don't have a lighting package at all, like I'm in the middle of the woods, no budget for a generator, no option for anything other than just like, here's a camera, figure it out. All of those lighting principles and all of those little things that I think about when I'm on set with big, big setups, I basically still apply in the same exact way, but just to the sun. So it's one of those things where the principles, once you learn them, are more important than the tools. If I know, oh, I want hard light, I want soft light, I want it to be placed here on the artist's face. I want it to be this kind of a ratio between where it's dark and where it's bright. And then I may need just literally a one by one piece of styrofoam, and I can go out and shoot something that looked absolutely beautiful. So it's very interesting, because I think a lot of people just don't don't even know where to begin. There's a million websites and a million resources on what's the newest SLR and what's the newest piece of cool little tech for a versatile piece of filmmaking. But you know it just it's not as prevalent these days unfortunately to to be able to learn about really those classic concepts of lighting and filmmaking.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about some of these concepts. And I think one thing I'd like to start on is the different, you know, there's different lighting aspects for different types of production. So if, if you're doing an interview or document setup, how is that different than narrative?
0: Oh yeah. Oh man. Perfect example. So for instance, if I'm trying to do something like interview or documentary oriented or, uh, where it doesn't have to be motivated from a realistic standpoint, man, I mean, the sky's the limit. You just say, oh, I want it to look extremely commercial and extremely blockbuster, and you can just throw lights into every corner of the room, you can bounce them off the ceiling, like where the light come from does not matter. What matters is how good does the talent look? So, I mean, I have so much fun doing those kinds of setups to be perfectly honest, because after a while I can just put anything anywhere, really and just keep pushing that production value up and up and up. And really the, the look is only limited by my budget. So in those circumstances, I don't have to worry about, oh, he's walking into a kitchen. So if he was there, then a window would be lighting him from this direction. And it doesn't make sense that there would be just a giant light making him look really good from the background, you know? So that's where uh, I think with narrative, the challenge is you have to take reality and elevate it. Because every single light source and every single situation you're putting things into is going to be less than ideal when you look on that camera sensor i mean the reason these low light camera capabilities are so popular filmmaking is because they have this handicap of not understanding how to create light in less than ideal circumstances so it is very challenging because all of a sudden i'm in a, a street corner outside at night and i have to think about okay So here is this horrible green tone coming off of that street lamp. Here's this other weird yellow coming off of this tungsten tube over by that warehouse or whatever. I not only have to think, how do I stop those lights or adjust those lights with gels or some sort of uh, tweaking to them to get them to where I want them, but then how do I actually bring up the light on talent and make it make sense for the environment that I'm in? So it's a constant problem-solving situation where you have to create reality-based reasons for every single light source. Is it a, a lamp? Is it a, uh, a screen from a television set? Is it a window? Like all of those things are required. Whereas when you're on these, these kind of more elevated commercial sets, nobody cares. As long as it looks good, everyone's extremely happy with it. And kind of the more surreal it goes, a lot of the times the better.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Something that I also kind of think is interesting is we kind of talked about this with, uh, you mentioned how camera technology, there's always so much news around it and changing. But one thing that you don't really, that lighting probably went at least maybe 60 years where it was pretty much the same thing. I mean, if you think about it, there was like tungsten lights and there was used electricity and you had bulbs and you had different shades, obviously, you had different powers and wattage, but it was a very, I mean, honestly, up until probably about five years ago, it was a very consistent technology that lasted for a very long time. And people only, and it was a very physical sense, you know, there's no digital aspect to it at all. But now we got things like LED lights um, that are kind of able to change the way we do things. They're, they're safer, they use less electricity. Tell me about kind of your thoughts on, you know, using this just change from from tungsten to led and, and how the, the physical aspect of lighting
0: oh man so first and foremost what i think everyone needs to remember regardless of new lights old lights everything else is that the same principles of lighting apply if you don't understand and you don't know how to control light you don't understand lighting colors temperatures hardness softness you're already going to have a challenge regardless of what kind of fixture of light you are using a perfect example of of a really cool blend of technology is actually a shoot i was doing last night so in order to go ahead and flood this giant space this interview space with a huge blue ambient light I knew that I honestly didn't have the firepower given the budget to to execute that, to turn all of these different walls and the whole ambient space like this deep blue color while keeping the talent color corrected with a nice daylight look. And so what's great is I was actually able to break out a mix of my old 2K tungstens. I mean, stuff from Italy from the 1960s, I picked up for like two lights for a 100 bucks and then i was able to break out my sky panels you know these new six thousand dollar high-end led fixtures and i was able to use them in conjunction with each other to create this really really cool look where i actually lit the talent with the leds uh, tungsten and then i was able to go ahead and light the background with hmis And then use the sky panels in conjunction with all that so that anything when i white balance skewed on camera that was hit with daylight or white light turned into this deep blue ambience and then anything that was hit with yellow or tungsten looked perfectly daylight balanced so it was very interesting because being able to use this blend of old technology and new technology but all rooted in the same principles of, okay, what is the color temperature of this light? What is the color temperature of my camera? What is the amount of output I'm getting from this older, hotter source? What's running off of what circuits? And, and when everything came together, I had 40 years worth of lighting in one room, all creating a very modern, cool look and image. It's just absolutely fascinating
1: yeah, so having that vision is key, right? Mm-hmm. yeah, so basically, you mentioned you know some of these different concepts of lighting and how basically, no matter what you have, I mean the light the lights are just a tool to achieve the look. What are some of these concepts that you that you're mentioning and and how do that kind of relate to everything in the, in the uh, composition?
0: So basically, with tungsten back in the day, you obviously just get one straight color temperature. You're looking at that you know 3,000, three thousand thirty two hundred range, so that deep yellowish tone. And obviously, it was a lot more work, a lot more heat to uh, adjust and change those lights around. You had to use physical gels, they burn up. I mean, it's just not the most user-friendly light source. And on top of that, you're limited to what you buy is what you get. And what's fascinating is now with these, these different types of technologies, and especially with HMIs, and then eventually LEDs where we're at now, all of a sudden you can plug a light into the wall and you get five times more power than what you were pulling originally. And instead of this weird yellow tone that you have to match to everything else, now you can have a clean, pure white color. And so that was a huge step forward in that kind of 80s, 90s period where it really exploded with Ari pushing hard into the HMI world. And now with all the different LED sources and the ability to do any color and any combination under the rainbow, it's actually opened up a whole new way of thinking. I don't know if uh, you know the majority of people out there are are very familiar yet with um, color readers and and taking you know lots of uh, uh, detail oriented looks into what is the color temperature of the light coming through this window, what is the color temperature in the shadows on the talent's face. But what's amazing is if you do have all of these tools now that everything is so digitized. I can literally type that into my phone, send it over to one of my panel lights, and the light will match it to a absolute T so that I can just emulate the same thing from the same area and just kind of enhance it a little bit. Or if I'm looking to have a conversation with another DP about three different brands of lights, instead of having to worry about, oh, well, on the light panels light, you have to go into this sub menu and do this setting, or on the RE light, I need to go into this thing and I need to worry about that. We have this universal mode called HSI that is just an absolute game changer. Once you begin to think in HSI, you are able to do so many things. So what that stands for is hue, saturation and intensity. And what's great is pretty much if you look at a standard color wheel, you can hit absolute anything anywhere in it. I mean, you essentially are just moving a a imaginary circular dot up and down in terms of hue, saturation, and brightness. And so what's wonderful is I can take, like I said, any light source from any manufacturer, put them all together, control all of them, knowing they will all end up being the absolute same. And then on top of that, if you combine it with things like glass filtration and do some very interesting in-color effects, it's a great way to be able to assign a specific number and almost a formula to creating a look and a style in camera. Because you can say, oh, when I use this 85 b filter, I know that it's going to switch my numbers on the HSI by plus 30 to everything. And so all of a sudden, if I'm communicating to a gaffer or someone else, I just say, oh, yes, it's going to be probably like 90 degrees, but plus 30. And it's just it's an absolutely amazing way to work and just opens up so many more avenues than, oh, I don't know, try mixing amber and opal and maybe a little bit of uh, CTO in there and let's just see what it looks like. You know,
1: (laughs) (laughs) the technology has come so far. It's it's hilarious. I mean, I'm thinking back on the days of adding in these different filters and trying to get the right tone of blue or trying to get a little bit of red in there, make a little more purple, you know, just trying to mix and match and being able to control this. And and putting it more digital has been a, has been a huge change. Uh, so you know, besides just the actual creativity aspect of things, um, another thing that LED I think is really cool is how much more flexibility you have. You're not attached to a cable in the floor in some cases. Sometimes you can throw on batteries and whatnot and be able to move your lights more fluidly, which also adds to a safer set, which I know is a big deal. I mean, lights are are honestly probably the most dangerous part of a film production sometimes. So, you know, how is how are other ways of LEDs kind of improved
0: um, production? Oh, man. Well, everything you said, like, has made a huge impact, honestly, on how I run my sets. I mean, LED technology means that I'm able to put lights in places I haven't been able to before and not have to be concerned about heat or safety. I mean, obviously still concerned about safety always, but, you know, not worried about something that seems secure, potentially failing. I mean, there's LEDs out there now. Some of my favorites are these ones that are literally just woven into fabric, and you can just tape them to the ceiling of the inside of a car, or you can stick them inside of a lamp. I mean, you can put anything anywhere, so your creative possibilities open up. You don't have the same heat generation, so actors feel so much more comfortable. Things are so much cooler in general on set. Sound doesn't have to worry about these crazy buzzing or weird noises of ballasts or, or high temperature bulbs. And then, I mean, everything else when it comes to just flexibility is is absolutely amazing. I mean, one little 3000 watt generator can power, I don't know, probably like 15 sky panels. That's you know? yeah, incredible. <laughs> I mean, just depending on, on your circumstance and, and what you need. It gives you so much more bang for your buck, so much more efficiency, and so much more safety, not to mention creativity.
1: Awesome. And, you know, for a lot of the people listening, sometimes they can't afford a brand new LED set of lights. So, you know, let's, let's talk about a little bit on, you know, how do you kind of give lighting on a budget? How do you kind of get the right equipment to where you don't have to break the bank and get $6,000 light panels, but basically give yourself a good toolkit to get to help tackle any situation you're in?
0: Oh man. Yeah. That's always one of the the funnest things to really get into is just how do I make it work? You know, and I'll be the first one to say that I am a huge fan of buying old school lights on eBay. I mean, I have gotten lights that used to be multiple thousands of dollars for, you know, 50, 60 bucks these days. I mean, you can buy the old big tungsten lights, uh, Mole Richardson, Ari, like brands have been used on super famous sets by huge directors for pennies on the dollar these days. And so if you just know those lighting principles, that's a huge way to get some professional instruments into your kit with with almost absolutely no no concern for budget. And then on top of that, if you're really, really in a pinch, we live in the golden age of, of the ability to drive down the street and pick up some some tools to help you light something. I mean, if I need to add a lot of bounce, I can just go to Home Depot and I can buy a four foot by eight foot giant thing of beadboard. And it's just a huge white piece of styrofoam I can carry around and create any sort of natural light that I want. If I need to just get some pure you know firepower in it and I have 40 bucks in my pocket and it's day of, I can go over there. And pick up some LED work lights, and as long as I just have a shower curtain and you know some other random like black plastic Visqueen or something of that sort, I can turn that source and model it into something really pretty and really beautiful. Besides the fact that I spent maybe fifty five dollars at Home Depot, so I think again, it really all comes down to the knowledge and the principles and the ability to to understand the concepts of lighting. And then everything becomes a tool. I mean, literally everything. You have no idea how amazing the human skin is when it comes to picking up color and and things from the area around it. I mean, you can be holding a green book and it will literally cast a little bit of a hue on your face that if you're really detail oriented, you'll, you'll see these color casts. So it's just very, very interesting because I mean, the world is your oyster technically when it comes to lighting once you understand it.
1: Yeah, so, and, and I think that brings to a good point on, you know, you're, paint, you're painting the image with your lighting. And I think that's a really cool way to think about it. But, you know, there's so many different ways to do it. I mean, you could, you can use, you can direct a light straight at someone, you can light up your background, you can, ref, you know, use reflection to get a different look of your lighting. You can use diffusion. You know, how, where, where does someone start, you know, and maybe they want a a, a nice, uh, more contrasted, a little bit more moody of a uh, of a scene. You know, where do they where do they begin?
0: So as far as learning resources go, I am beyond thankful that we live in the age we do, because YouTube has been absolutely fantastic. I mean, there's a lot of uh, great people in the filmmaking community who want to give back, want to educate people, want to be involved. So one of my absolutely favorite free resources is this, uh, guy named Luke Servald and he runs a channel on YouTube called meet the gaffer. And on that channel, he starts at the absolute basics. He teaches you how do you skin a gel frame? How do you go through and just use, you know, a simple aperture 300D or, or some of these very modern lights. And then he has his other gaffer friends come in and teach you different aspects and different lighting fixtures and compare things. And then he takes you onto his bigger commercial sets and he gives you a behind the scenes and explains which lights are doing what and why. And just to have people like that in the community that you can communicate with. I mean, the guy has maybe 5,000 followers, so it's not like he's unreachable. It's just absolutely amazing. So then you're saying, okay, cool. So this guy talks about what he wants to talk about. How do I find out maybe how music videos are done? Or how do I find out how Hollywood big budget stuff is done? There's other great people, obviously, that also charge for their knowledge, but uh, Shane Holbert and Holbert Academy is one of my absolute favorite video resources. It's a monthly subscription, but he has done huge, huge films ranging from Terminator Salvation to Need for Speed And he goes into the details on every single one of his courses in depth about, you know, this is the concept that you need. This is what you need to understand. And and not just lighting, he's a very thorough DP. So when you watch his courses, you learn about pre-pro, you learn about blocking, you learn about working with the actors, you learn about motivation, you learn about breaking down the script and all of those elements that play into lighting and how they apply to lighting. So for every single one of his courses of how to shoot a scene, I would say lighting takes up almost half of the the content, which is absolutely great. And then there's other people out there, uh, like the uh, LearnCinematography.com. They have so many great resources when it comes to shooting music videos. I mean, I essentially do the same exact thing that they do for the majority of their, their kind of size and budgets, but... Even so, they're still super creative and very interesting. So I personally spend my money to support them and to watch their content because you never know when I'm going to learn something new that I've never thought of. I mean, it's absolutely great that we just have the internet and technology. But then when it comes to just good old book reading, there's so many classic resources as well. I mean, I think the book that anyone who wants to learn about lighting needs to go ahead and buy. And I mean, like buy today is called Matters of Light and Depth. And it's created by uh, the guy who started Lowell, the big lighting company that's owned by Tiffin. And it's, it's not in print anymore, but you can pick up copies on Amazon for like $6. And it's one of the best books I've ever read that doesn't go overtly technical into go use this light and this specific fixture here and, and put this light on this person's face in this way. Like like the majority of books do, where they don't teach you why, they just show you how. This book is the exact opposite in the sense that every single chapter is saying Well, why would you choose soft light? What does soft light do psychologically to someone? Like, what are some examples where soft light would be perfect for? And then what are the ways you could create it? What are some of the things that make soft light interesting, creative, and how can you be different with soft light? And every single chapter goes like that. It's just a fantastic resource. And then the one last resource I would recommend for anyone who really wants to deep dive is the the Bible of lighting. It's called the Set Lighting Technician's Handbook. And that thing is thick, but if you can get through it, everyone in the industry essentially says you have the knowledge of five years of gaffing under your belt. Uh, I use it more as an encyclopedia where when I need to find something, maybe with like rigging some pulley system I don't know about, or learning about a bigger generator system I haven't used before, I'll turn to a certain chapter. But I mean, even so, just getting through that thing, there's nothing in that book that won't be covered when it comes to lighting. Whatever you need to know, it will be there.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Those are some great resources. Uh, Duncan, thank you so much for joining on. I think you gave the viewers a lot of awesome perspective. And um, I, and I know for me, I, that's something I can still work on is lighting. I think lighting is something that you never quite become a, a master at. And I think there's always room to improve and learn. So thank you so much for all your great insight over that, over the, that subject and, and other subjects.
0: Of course, Josh, I feel the exact same way every single day and every single set I'm on, I'm, I'm learning something new. So I really appreciate you having me on. This was a blast. And, uh, I just, I hope we have more opportunities to work on some really cool projects in the near future.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, is there anywhere that people can find you on social to see some of your latest work?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Instagram's really where I like to keep everything uh, pretty updated. I post a lot of stories, a lot of behind the scenes. So that's uh, Duncan Johnson, D-O-P, D-U-N-C-A-N Johnson, D-O-P. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you so much, Duncan. Have a good rest of your
0: day. Thanks, Josh. Appreciate it, man.
1: All right, everyone. Now is our time for our movie review segment with Chase Lee from Real Reviews. Chase, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself, Josh? Doing good. Doing good. So last week we talked about a couple of different movies, uh, pretty pretty far off from each other as far as uh, what they're about. Uh, what do you got? What do you got going for us today?
2: Yeah, so uh, this is actually a perfect segue into what we were talking about last week uh, with the um, uh, the, th- the theaters and everything. And so. I saw this last night via Link, uh, thanks to Solstice Studios, but it is Unhinged, starring Russell Crowe, and um, it is absolutely bonkers, <laughs> but uh, the reason why I said it's a great segue is because this film is uh, was supposed to come out like in June, and then it got pushed to July, and then it's finally coming out August 21st because of you know COVID and everything, and just finding a different release strategy, and this is Solstice Studios, I believe it's their first ever movie in a theater, so... <laughs> What a great and bad time to release the movie. But um, yeah, so this one stars Russell Crowe and he is an unhinged man in uh, in traffic as a woman and her son kind of cut him off. He rolls down his window and is like, are you going to apologize to me, ma'am? And she... You know, says no and she drives off. And so he kind of hunts her down throughout the entire movie. So it's basically road rage to the extreme, uh, kind of in the same vein as what Nicolas Cage or like Bruce Willis do in those straight to DVD movies that you would pick up at Walmart or something. Um, as far as an entertaining movie goes, if you're looking for something that has to do with like mindless action and just like car chase scenes, explosions, Russell Crowe kills a lot of people so it's like Michael Myers to some degree then I think you'll find this movie slightly entertaining but I, I thought it was just okay in terms of the way it was executed it is entertaining and it's stunt work and it, it does provide some great suspense for this person being an actual threat to this mother and her son but I had a problem with um, it kind of touching upon mental illness uh, a little bit in the beginning of the film because it doesn't really dive deep into it beyond that point. So we don't know whether we should, you know, uh, you know, look at this movie as entertaining or if it should be more uh, along the lines of um, commentary on people with mental illness. So it kind of like toes that line, but I just ultimately didn't feel like it delivered in that regard Uh, if they didn't deliver that in the uh, beginning of the movie i don't think i would bring this up but they do bring it up so i'm going to bring it up in the review it's not executed well and when you see what russell crowe does in the movie um it it makes you question whether you should like this movie or not uh given what he does speaking of russell crowe it is absolutely bananas it like i said if you ever seen like Nicolas cage kind of go for it or john travolta or um, Bruce Willis and those like straight to DVD movies, you're going to get something out of it for sure. Um, he is absolutely insane to watch, but it's nice to see someone commit <laughs> to, to their roles in a movie. So he is a real threat. He is absolutely evil in this movie, but you can definitely tell he, um, he tapped into some type of acting energy and he, uh, he was able to deliver it. Everyone else in the job does really well, but you go to see this movie because of Russell Crowe and just the, uh, kind of insane stunt work that's going on. But it runs at a brisk 90 minutes. So, you know, if you are looking for something um, to kind of waste your time on for 90 minutes, it's not a bad one. Just for me personally, it's not something I would want to pick up again. I'd probably give it like a C. But if you're, you know, looking for something insane, <laughs> something maybe slightly entertaining with Russell Crowe, this one might be your bag. But for me,
1: I would just kind of so-so on it. Awesome. So, a little bit of a mixed mixed review on that one. Uh, I haven't seen a Russell Crowe movie in a while. It's interesting. It's like kind of his...
2: Yeah, he just uh he kind of went away for a little bit, and he kind of came back, and he's just like, hey, I'm going to do this movie. And you're like,
1: okay. All right, go for it. All right, what other movie do you, do you have for us today?
2: Yeah, so uh, there's a movie dropping on uh, Amazon Prime. So once again, just like last episode that we discussed movies, a complete opposite of Unhinged, and uh, it's called Chemical Hearts. And it's kind of like a romantic kind of teenage story. A couple of teenagers fall in love. We kind of see how they um, deal with that, you know, growing up as teenagers. So definitely a coming of age story as well. As far as a romance movie goes, it's kind of, it's kind of just so, so it's a, it's a little bit just just average for my, um, my taste. But what I really like about it the most is it really focuses on trauma, grief, and what these teenagers actually go through during high school and it's not just like a fluffy representation of love. It's messy. It's, uh, it's complicated. And, you know, when you are a teenager, you're growing up, you are learning things as you go. And so getting yourself wrapped up into a romantic relationship is a bit of a sticky situation. Like you, you, you you know people don't communicate you know you might love them and then that kind of falls off a little bit and so what i like about chemical hearts is it really focuses on the characters it really allows them to be teenagers there's an incident that happens with the the uh uh, uh girl interest in the the film and she you know there's something that she's kind of like working on in her head uh, a very traumatic thing but she's trying to work that out while at the same time um the boy uh, interest he is you know he's never had a relationship before this is his first time ever exploring it and so he's kind of got a different set of emotional um baggage than she does so it's like a it's like a a nice contrast but it's it's kind of realistic like it, you know when you watch these movies like it just kind of glosses over a relationship in high school but they don't really dive into what they're actually thinking so it gets a lot into the headspace Of these characters so an overall kind of it's kind of like a basic romance movie but I think that extra layer of kind of diving deep into the characters does make it stand apart and I probably give it like a B B minus so I'm a bit of a a romance guy (laughs) it's one of those uh, kind of guilty pleasures that no one really ever knows about me but I
1: do like me a good romance story and this one's not a bad one so it's on Amazon Prime if you want to check it out awesome so is there any movies coming up that you're particularly excited about?
2: So there, there is, there is a few. Um, you know, we have the New Mutants finally coming out after probably being announced like 30-something years ago. Um, no, that movie was a, was announced in like in 2017, and it's finally going to come out. I think it's the last movie in the kind of like Fox-related X-Men films. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to Tenet. Um, my man Christopher Nolan, um, you know, always – coming out with great movies you know it's also got John David Washington who I'm a huge fan of and Robert Pattinson so it should be a pretty good one and then I'm trying to think of what else is coming out uh, you know Mulan is coming out here pretty shortly I'm gonna check that out, that one out Bill and Ted 3 so there are some good ones coming out for sure and I'm, I'm curious to know like how they do in theaters how they do on on streaming and stuff because we got some big blockbusters coming
1: out soon yeah finally I mean it's been kind of a a weird start of the year honestly so right yeah <laughs> it, feel, it feels it awesome feels
2: like we music. went into quarantine like five years ago so uh it's just really weird to talk about wait what was your last movie in theater because yeah it was this year but it
1: feels like it was last year awesome well thank you so much for coming on chase i appreciate it yeah no problem thank you for having me on yeah awesome well thank you guys so much for joining the podcast uh, we'll see you guys again
0: next week